Amen. Hey, can we just take a moment to welcome those who are joining us online or perhaps listening into the podcast? If you're ever in the area, please do come and swing by. We would love to meet you. Can we put our hands together for those joining and tuning in on the line? Hey, uh, just by way of introduction, if you don't know me, my name is, uh, my full name is Aaron Wing Young. My middle name is Wing, and I'll tell you why it's Wing, because I've got Chinese in me. Yeah, I know, I had the same reaction too. So I am, I am uh, Chinese, Māori, and European. And uh, you name it, whatever nationality, I've been mistaken for it. In fact, two, two years ago, this is not related to the message, by the way, but I want to share this with you. So two years ago, I was in Mexico. Okay, and I'm cruising around and just doing my thing. And of course, back then, the only Spanish word that I knew was gracias. I'm still trying to figure out how to pronounce it now, but gracias means thank you. And so people would come running up to me, and they would speak to me in Spanish. And people would come running up and say, hola, and you know how I would respond? Gracias. That's like someone coming up to you saying hello, and you responding, thank you. That's my life to a T. Shall we get into some word this morning? Who's excited for the word? Hey, I'm going to read out a portion of Scripture. It's incredible. It's an incredible, uh, powerful set of words. And it's in Isaiah 43, verse number 2. The first word, though, says when. Everyone say when. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say if. It says when. It says when you pass through the waters. When you pass through the waters. How many know that's a prophecy right there? It's not when you come to the waters. It's not when you approach the waters. It's not when you come to the water's edge. It says when you pass through the waters. It says, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, I'm thankful that God said put an S on the end of rivers. How many know we're going to face more than one river in life? When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Amen. Can you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you that you're here. Your presence is here. And Father, we pray as we came in a certain way. Father, as we leave, may we leave having been touched by you and your presence. In Jesus' name, every good person said, amen. Hey, I've got a question for you. So um, can you indicate, if, uh, just by way of showing your hands, if you have been involved in a river crossing before, like nice and high, like, oh, heaps of you. Wow, okay. So about five years ago, um, I was involved in a river crossing. So we, we were preparing for this leader's retreat. It was a youth leader's retreat, okay? It was in Otaki Forks, and Pastor Sam and Pastor Michelle were the pastors at the time. It was, a, it was an overnight thing, so we started on Friday, went through to Saturday, and I get this call from Pastor Sam the night before. And he says, hey, Aaron, I just want to know if you can look after the boot camp on Saturday morning. Now, if you don't know what a boot camp is, it's like exercise on the, the Saturday morning. I'm like, yeah, sure. And you know what he said to me? He said this. He said, you can do whatever you want. Now, if someone says to me, I can do whatever I want, I literally take that as if I can do whatever I want. So here I am on the Friday night, and I decide to go for a run. Now, go for a run down into the, the river, and, and here's what I look for. I look for the most deepest, the most widest, and the most raging part of the river, and I find it. And, and I think to myself, we're going to incorporate this in the boot camp. This is going to be incredible. You've got to remember that Pastor Sam said to me, I can do whatever I want. you also got to remember this was many years ago, and I had no concept of health and safety. <laughs> I didn't know what it was, didn't know what it meant. So I had no 
idea of health and safety. And here we are, a Saturday morning. I had made the team go for like a 2K run before the river uh, that we were about to meet in. They were knackered, okay? Here they are, Saturday morning at the river. And I say to them, there's about 20 of them, or maybe 15, 20. And I say to them, um, each, each and every one of you has a pet rock. I know it's weird. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. But I said, you have a pet rock. And you have to take that pet rock over to the other side of the river. And your pet rock must not fall into the river. It must not die. You must bring your pet rock back. I said, you have to do it as a team. So everyone's like, yeah, cool, let's do this. And so some genius in the group thought it would be a good idea to link arms. That's how you normally cross a river, right? You link arms and you go together because that's the strongest way. I'm thinking to myself, this is incredible. This is building team spirit. This is building culture. We're going to go as one. It's all going good so far. And then some genius in the group thought it would be a good idea to put Rachel Feronda at the end of the human chain. Now, if you know Rachel Feronda, and if you have a sense of health and safety, which I didn't, you would not put Rachel Feronda at the end. You would say to Rachel, hey, Rachel, sit this one out, or stand in the middle with a few life jackets on. She's not the biggest person. And so I'm kind of a little bit concerned at this point. And they link arms. In fact, I think, Pastor Grace, you were on the inside of, uh, of Rachel. And so they link arms. They begin to cross uh, the river. And of course, as you step into the river, the, the water comes up. And I'm thinking to myself, why is the river much deeper than it was last night? Because of course, it rained overnight. And so it was way deeper than I actually, uh, when I saw it. And they begin to walk out. This is what happened. No lies. This is Rachel's legs. Okay? This is my best rendition of Rachel's legs. She's walking out into the river, okay? And then she gets to this point in the river, and all of a sudden, this is what happens. Her legs go sideways, and she's like, she's playing it cool, eh? Like, she's got her arm link. She's like, I'm good. Grace, on the other hand, is freaking out. She's like, oh. And you can imagine what I was doing, eh? You can do whatever you want. And so I'm pacing up and down the riverbed, and I'm like, oh. What do I do? I don't know. Like, I don't want to break the team spirit that's going on. I don't want to break the culture. So I'm like, what do I do? I had to intervene because she's going to float away. <laughs> I just want to make it clear. If she did float away, she would have, it was like deep and then it went shallow and there was just some rocks there. So she would have just went over some rocks. <laughs> I want to talk to you, Connect Church, about a river crossing. I don't want to talk about the Otaki River. I want to talk about the Jordan River. I want to talk about the Jordan River which is in the Bible. Well, Rachel was scared of a river that was five meters long and 1.5 meters deep. Some scholars believe the Jordan River at the time was 1,500 meters wide and up to 30 meters deep. What do you do when you're faced with an impossible situation in life? What do you do when all of a sudden life comes to a halt? How do you handle it? What's the next step? We're going to read this morning out of Jordan I just, Jordan. We're going to read the Jordan River out of Joshua chapter 3. And I want to give you some context. Because context is important. Amen. And you see, at this point in time, uh, Joshua has superseded Moses as commander in chief. Moses has died. And, uh, and so, in fact, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, this is what the Lord says to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant is dead. It's a bit harsh. Moses, my servant is dead. He says this, now therefore arise. Now therefore arise. What's the now therefore in your life? You see, sometimes the opportunity dies. Sometimes the opportunity becomes a thing of the past, and God calls us to now therefore arise. 
What's the now therefore in your life? You see, Joshua wasn't in this position because of his military prowess. He was an incredible fighter, fought many battles for the Lord, but he was here because of his spiritual vitality. He was, spe- he was here because of his faith and his spiritual vitality. Central to this story is this idea of the Ark of the Covenant. I could preach for hours on that, but I'm not because you don't have time. I do. <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant is central to this story. It represents the very presence, the person, and the promise of God. And you'll notice as we go through this scripture, its prominence is stressed right throughout this story. It's mentioned up to nine times, the Ark of the Covenant. Keep that as we go through the story. Are you ready to get, are you ready to get into the story? I'm excited. Hey, just, <laughs> I just want to say, you know, when I, when I did that thing of Rachel's legs, so you guys laughed, right? But the other service, like freaking out. And like I, and people come up and say, like, oh, is she all right? Was she all right? But it's funny because you guys just crack up. Like you don't even care. <laughs> hey, uh, um, here we are in, in uh, Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1. And it says, early in the morning, that freaks some of you out because y'all like to sleep too much. Early in the morning, all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the, don't laugh, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. Let me paint you a picture here. You see, for three days, the Israelites and the people were in a position where all they could see and where all they could hear was the obstacle. All they could see and all they could hear was the flood. For three days, they were in a position where all the sight that they saw was just this river. They could just hear this river. And you might think, well, three days, really, that ain't long. But I tell you what, when you're face-to-face with something that has brought your life to a halt, it's caused progress in life to stop, when you're face-to-face with a seemingly impossible obstacle, three days my friend, sounds like a very long time. You see, what should have been occupying their thoughts was this idea of the promised land, but that seemed like a hollow promise given what, what they were faced with. It seemed like a hollow promise given how hard it was to get to yet so close to them. It continues to say, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and the priests who were Levites carrying it, you were to move from your positions and follow it. You see, it's pretty clear there's two acts of movement here. The first one is move. First one's move, the second one's follow. It doesn't say move and find your own way. It doesn't say move and navigate yourself. It doesn't say move and do it yourself. You see, I think in New Zealand, the DIY culture is incredible, right? The DIY culture is amazing. We embrace it as New Zealanders. The DIY culture is good if you want to renovate your home, but if you want to renovate your life, it's not that good. Why were they asked to follow the very thing that represented the presence, person, and promises of God? I'm glad you asked because this tells you. It says you'll know which way to go. And then you'll know which way to go. Why? Because you've actually never been this way before. You'll know which way to go because you've never been this way before. Can I be real with you this morning, church? Because this is what's going to happen in life. You're going to encounter things where you won't know what to do. This is new territory. You've never been this way before. You're going to encounter things where you have absolutely no idea what to do. You're going to encounter things where you don't know which way to go, how to take the next step. And I'll tell you what, I'll be real with you. Seven steps to success ain't going to get you over that obstacle. Fourteen steps to grab you, to get you over the obstacle isn't going to work. I'll simplify it into one. I'll simplify it for free. 
and say, follow. Follow the very presence, person, and promises of God. It says, keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Don't go near it. There's two reasons for this. There's two reasons for this. If you don't speak in yard terms, which I don't, that's 900 meters. Keep a distance of 900 meters. Why did they have to do that? There's two reasons for that. The first one is to respect the holy nature of the Ark of the Covenant. But the second one blows my mind. The second reason for having such a significant gap was so every single person in the camp could see the Ark of the Covenant because they had never been that way before. Every single person needed to have a clear view of where they were going. You see, let me tell you this. It's one thing to move. I think we're good at moving. We realize we need to move. We've, we've, we've encountered something. We've got to move. It's one thing to move, but it's another to follow in such a way where your vision and where your view of Christ is unhindered or unobscured. It's a completely different thing. It continues to say, Joshua, he's like, consecrate yourself. And consecrate means to sanctify. Sanctify means to make holy, to separate ourselves from the things that separate us from God. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. You see, can it just, we, don't, we don't serve a God who finishes at one generation. We don't serve a God who is constrained and confined to a single generation. We serve a God where it says in the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and the same tomorrow. And let me tell you this, the God that was with Joshua, the God that was with Moses is with you wherever you walk. Amen. It says this, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go in and stand in the water. When you reach the edge of the Jordan rivers, go or the waters, go in and stand in the river. Just go in and stand in it. See, that's a bold statement. Don't you agree? It's, a, it's something that requires a certain level of, of strength, a certain level of boldness, and a certain level of of faith. Funny we say that because in the preceding chapters of Joshua chapter 3, God says to Joshua, not once, not twice, but three times, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He said it three times. Be strong and courageous again. Why? Because when you come to this moment, you will need to be strong and courageous. I don't know about you, but that goes against all my logic. Hopefully it goes against yours because otherwise I'm up here by myself. But it goes against all human logic. Because logic would tell you, once the obstacle begins to clear, then I'll take my first step. Once it's clear, then I'm good to go. But it goes against logic because God says, no, take my presence, take the very person, the promises that I've promised you into the obstacle. Take it into the obstacle. How many are thankful that our God is not constrained by our logic? Joshua says to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Huvites, Perizzites, 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 Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, all the ites. See, 
the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. Says, as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Went ahead of them. God goes before us in any situation we face. The presence of God goes before us and stands in amongst any obstacle that we face. You see, Joshua knew that this was not his battle. Joshua knew that this was the Lord's battle, and in order for them to overcome what they were facing, the very presence of the Lord needed to be going first. They couldn't do it on their own. You see, when the presence of the Lord is in whatever we face, the obstacles and in the situations, things begin to change. Things begin to shift. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage. I want you to hold on to that for a moment. We're going to revisit that. Jordan is at flood stage during all of harvest. As soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah the Salt Sea was completely cut off, so the, the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. The Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground. I want to pause there for a moment. You see, when we encounter things in life and we walk through treacherous conditions, when we walk through obstacles, for us, life may seem fragile and life may seem as if it's quite shakable and unsteady. Isn't it encouraging to know that wherever the Lord goes, the presence of the Lord stands firm no matter where it stands. It stands firm on dry ground. It says, while all of Israel passed until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. There goes that word again, dry ground. It wasn't muddy. It wasn't slushy. It wasn't, it wasn't, and even was dry ground. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was in there. What's the Jordan River that perhaps you're facing now? What's the Jordan River that you've crossed over in the past? I want to share with you this morning a story. And I apologize in advance if I cry because it's quite dear to me. But I want to share with you, I want to finish it up <clears throat> with this story. See, I work for a company called Deloitte, and some of you know them. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Deloitte, and I'm not doing this to magnify who I work for. I'm not doing it to magnify the problem. I'm doing it, as you'll see, to magnify how good our God is. You see, I work for a company called Deloitte. It's an incredibly big company, incredibly professional company. And this is publicly available information, but in 2016, it was ranked the sixth largest privately owned company in America. 2016 was $36.8 billion in revenue, 245,000 employees across the world incredibly professional. And when I started, I started there four and a half years ago. I was a young guy. Four and a half years ago, and a week before I start, I get asked to fill out this form. And the form is really uh, just a bio about me. And so it's what's your name, and what's your, what do you study, what's your interest. And at the bottom of this was a question that said, what's your hobby? 
You gotta remember I was a young guy, I was kind of like new into this the Christian thing. I think I was two years into it. And he said, What's your hobby? And I was that type of guy. So like there's people who have hobbies of like walking and mountain biking and and building model cars, I don't know, cars, whatever. But I was that type of guy when the question said, What's your hobby? Do you want to know what I put? I put church. What's your hobby? Church. What's your hobby? Church. That's what I do. I put that there and then I handed it in. Then a week into starting, they sent us all up to training in Auckland. There were about 20 of us. There were heaps of us. And, and here's the thing. At the end of training, this is what happened. They went through all the profiles. And, of course, they went through mine at the end because my last name starts with Y. And at the end, this is what the senior partner said. He said, hey, I just want to make it clear that faith, Whatever you believe in religion is, is separate to the workplace. What you believe, don't bring that into the workplace. And I'm absolutely fine with that. If a company has those values, then I will respect that 100%. But this was said at the end of the training. You could imagine me two years into being a Christian. I'm like, oh, no. And we had it. We had the training. Went back down to Wellington. And I went for a number of years just kind of doing life and, and working and I came across another couple of Christians. It's quite funny, actually, because we kind of actually, <laughs> Pastor Mason mocks me, and uh, it's kind of funny because he calls it the secret Christian club in Deloitte, okay? And he think, and it's actually quite true. We've got it all wrong, though, because I'll tell you how we did it. For a number of years, this is what we do. We would meet up for lunch, and it's as almost as if we would get in a huddle and go, oh, how great is our God? What's God doing in your life? What's God doing in your community? That's how we would do it. We had it all wrong. We would huddle and we would talk about it. Then we would, on the count of three, one, two, three, break, and then go off into our workplace and never talk about it again. That's how we did it. Every year at Deloitte, what we do is we head up to Auckland. Okay, we go to Auckland uh, and we, we talk about the year that's gone by and the, the years that are about to come. Talk about you know, revenue and impact on our clients and a whole bunch of other things. And I get this call... <clears throat> a week before I'm about to fly up to this annual event, and it's the senior manager on the end of the line, and she says, hey, I just want to know if you can do a video about what you do in the community. We've heard through the grapevine that, um, that you know, you're involved in youth. And she said, it just needs to be 30 seconds. I said, yeah, that's cool. Happy to do that. Went home that evening and did a recording. Miranda recorded. Actually, I'm married to Miranda. I'm I was meant to say this at the start. I said, do you know what I said? I said, come to both services so I can point you out. And so there goes my wife down there. If you don't know her name's Miranda, she's incredible. And, um, and she's, she's recording me, and I did this 30-second video, okay? Handed it in. I get a call the night before I'm about to fly to Auckland. It's, it's another senior manager, and they, they say this. They're on the other line. They go, good evening, Aaron. It was late at night. Good evening, Aaron. Hey, um, oh, we just want to know. This is what she said. She said, we've got an incredibly professional event tomorrow. And, and we had a whole number of speakers. But one of the speakers have pulled out. One of the sp speakers who was meant to have four minutes has pulled out. And we've seen your video, and we want to know if you can speak for four minutes about what's happening in the community. You've got to remember, four and a half years ago, four and a half, four, around the same, they said, never to share your faith. And I'm cool with that. But this is what I said to the lady on the phone. I'm on the phone. I said, yeah, I'm cool to do that. I'm happy with it. But I said, but there's, there's two things that I want to make it clear. And I said, the first thing is that my role in the community is that of a youth pastor. What that means is that we, we're backed by the church. Wherever the church goes, we go. 
Our, the, the vision of the church is aligned to my role and to what we do here in the community. And I said, I'll, I'll speak on that for three minutes. I said, but at the, the last minute, I want to talk about some of the struggles that our young people face. I said, all I need is a minute. I'll share one thing. On the end of the line, it was pause for a while. And then I heard a faint, yeah. I'm like, oh no, no confidence at all. I don't know if that was like, yeah, go ahead, or yeah, you're going to get fired. And she said, yeah, you can, you can do it. And here I am on the, on the stage. In fact, there were four stages at, um, at, at this event, incredibly professional. Things had, the, the planning was so meticulous that it was at the Sky City Convention Center, and there were four stages, right? And on, on the, the, way, the reason why there were four stages is because one stage had one speaker, then the spotlight would shift to another speaker. And as soon as that, whatever, three, four minutes was up, it went on to the other, and it just went like that throughout the day. It was incredibly professional. And um, here I am on the stage. Funny this, because the producer of the whole... Uh, event, he said, make sure you stand in the tea. And, I, and so I'm like, okay, cool. I go over and I see the tea is like tiny. Like it's like that. And I said, I can't stand in the tea. And he's like, well, if you don't stand in the tea, you won't have the spotlight. And I said, I don't need the spotlight. And, I, and I'm there and the spotlight turns on and straight away, I'm like over there. And I'm like, hey, everyone, what's up? My name's Aaron. I'm a senior consultant down in Wellington. And I'm also a youth pastor. And and some people think I do youth pastoring on the side, but that's wrong. Because if I do youth pastoring on the side, it implies that work comes first and work doesn't come first. I value this role. This role is just as professional as my day-to-day job. And I went on for a, a few more minutes. And here I am last minute and I said this. And I said, hey, I just want to share with you some of the struggles that our young people face. And I said, I said I, you know, young people these days are told too many times they're not good enough. I said, they're told by family. They're told by friends. They're told by young uh, loved ones. I said, they're even told by social media, which is even, it's not even a person. And I said, worst of all though, our young people are telling themselves that they're not good enough. And I finished up and I think I was over four minutes actually. They were a bit angry. And, uh, here we are, we're wrapping up the event, it's 4.55 p.m., about to finish out, all the partners are on stage, and just as they're wrapping up, one of the partners says this, he says, can we just uh, put our hands together for what's happening down in Kapiti? And they started to clap, but here's the thing, one by one, each and every single partner began to stand up, and they were clapping for what's happening down here in the young people. They thought they were clapping for me. In my mind, I'm like, you're clapping for Jesus. They didn't even know it. In fact, my friend, okay, so my friend, uh, he, go, he comes up to me afterwards, and he's like, yo, you was preaching up there, and he's like, I thought you were going to do an altar call. You know what I said? I was like, don't tempt me. I'm going to do an altar call if you want to. This incredibly professional event, here I was four years earlier. Don't share your faith. Faith and religion is separate. Four years later, I was given four minutes on the stage to talk about what God's doing in the community. Isn't God good? Can I get the the band up, please? You see, I want to close with uh, just a thought, a single thought. 
See, what, I have, what happened at the end of the, uh, the event is, you know, I just want to, so finding a Christian in a place like that is like finding a needle in a haystack. Okay, you have hundreds and hundreds. And I don't know if, if everyone's been told the same thing. Maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. But it is incredibly difficult to find another Christian. And it's, it's amazing because at the end, at the end of this event, post 5 p.m., a number of people came up. They said, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I met another youth pastor. I met a lady who was on a worship band at a church. I met people from Auckland and from Wellington who were Christians. I don't know if they were told the same thing. They tell you what's happening to start. You see, guys in Auckland got in contact with me and said, hey, we want to we run a breakfast and it can be open to anyone. We want the Christian guys, the guys who believe in Jesus, the guys who are there to show the love of Jesus. We want to put on a breakfast once a month. Anyone can come and just talk about Jesus. We've had breakfasts in Wellington as well. Just about sharing some of the struggles we face in the in the workplace, some of the incredible things God has done. In fact, you know what happened at the last breakfast? They they said at the last breakfast, can someone bring a sermon? So someone was like literally preaching for like 40 minutes at breakfast over eating bacon eggs. It was incredible. Isn't God amazing? I want to leave you with a thought. You see that the river, the Jordan River was was never there to prevent them, prevent the people, prevent Israel from reaching the promise. It was never there for prevention. It was there to prepare them. It was, the, it was there to prepare them for what they were about to do, for what they were about to encounter. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it was there to prepare them. You see, I said to hold on to that thought around the flood stage. The reason I wanted you to hold on to that the, the flood stage is because of this. The Jordan River isn't isn't flooded for 12 months of the year. It's not a permanently flooded river. In fact, when I'm when I'm preparing, as I was preparing for this message, I came across in one of my Bible commentaries a picture of the Jordan River. Okay. And I came across it, and at the bottom it said, the Jordan River is, is neither impressive nor significant. I'm like, there goes my message, gone. It's not impressive nor significant. You see, the cause of the flood was the harvest. It was only flooded for a portion of the entire year. I wonder if there was someone in the camp. If there wasn't, it would have been me. If someone in the camp said, hang on, can we think about this for a moment? Because the, the, the river is only flooded for a portion of the time. We've been wondering for 40 years, that's 480 months. I'm, I mean, if we wait three months, what's three months compared to 400, sorry, 480 months? We've been wondering for so long, so why don't we just wait it out? Wait it out till the rivers subside. Isn't it incredible? This is why God, this is why this is there to prepare them because God said, it's flooded now, it's flooded for a portion, but I want you to cross over. I want you to cross over when it's flooded. You could wait for two months and it will subside, but I want you to cross now. That's why it was there to prepare them. When the presence of God is in whatever we face, when the presence of God goes before us, what are we to fear? 
What have we got to fear when the presence of God goes first? The promise, the person, and the presence of God stands in the obstacle, whatever we face. No matter how small or significant or insignificant it is, when the presence of God is in the middle of our situation, things change and things shift. What's the Jordan that you need to cross this morning? Jordan, in your life, you've come against. It's caused your life to come to a hold. It's called progress to all of a sudden stop. I pray for you guys. Can we bow our heads? Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you, Father, that you go before us in whatever we face. Thank you, Father, that whatever came, comes against us, nothing shall prosper. Father, but it's your presence, it's your word, it's your promises. It allows us, Father God, to stand firm on, on firm ground, on dry ground. So, Father, we pray for every single person here. Pray for your blessing. Pray, Father, that their eyes would be fixed upon you wherever they go. Just while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And perhaps you're listening to this message going, who, who's God? What's the presence of God? Who is this man talking about? I'm talking about someone who reached out and pulled us out from where we were. About a God who loves each and every single one of us. So I want to take this time to give every single person an opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I choose to follow you. So on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand because I want to know who I'm praying for. And when you put your hand up, you're giving as an outward expression of what you're feeling in your heart. Count of three. One, God loves you. Two, this would be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Three, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, can you put your head nice and high so I know who I'm praying for? Awesome, I see that hand down the, down the back and in the middle section. together as a family and as a church. You guys repeat after me. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you call me. Thank you that we can follow you wherever we go. Thank you that you go before us. And Lord, this morning, I choose to follow you. Lead me and guide me wherever I go. Help me to turn away from what I know to be wrong. Help me to keep on your path. In Jesus' name, everyone said, hey, can we give the people who put up their hands a huge round of applause? It's an incredible, an incredible decision they've made.